HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. I do my show on the Heritage Radio Network because I think it's important to talk about the impact of technology on our lives. I do my show to reach home cooks and help them do better. I love getting together with people in the industry. I like hosting my show because, to me, it's the stories about people and their relationship to food that help make the food more interesting and more delicious. Our hosts do their shows as a labor of love, but we still need your financial support in order to keep the lights on and keep the tape rolling. Please become a member today at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market. For more information, visit wholefoodsmarket.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes.
Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. Uh, I am recording from Soho uh, in the heart of what might be one of the more beautiful buildings that I have seen in a long time with the uh, Hart Brothers. Are you introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'm Sam Hart. Nice to have you here. And I'm Sam's brother, Eddie Hart. Um, and you are the proprietors of where I came to know you as Barafina, but uh, of so much more. Um, what would be great is to kind of go back to the beginning, to where it started, from your parents, who equally have their own uh, high regards in the cooking industry as well. Yeah, so, so um, our dad is, is a hotelier and restaurateur, um, and um, so he started, he, he started life as a banker, um, and at the age of about 30, um, gave up banking and opened a country house hotel. How did that go over? Well... <laughs> He he was fed up with the, with banking and city life as well. Yeah. He, he liked the idea of um of going to the countryside and and you know a change of a change of pace. Um, and he thought it'd be nice and relaxing to open a hotel, uh, which would give him lots of time to you know ride a horse and do other stuff. So no um, F and B experience. Absolutely <laughs> no F and B experience at all. Apart from he had eaten quite well. Okay. So he was always interested in food and wine. Okay. Um, and he probably stayed in a few decent hotels as well. So he, he, he knew a little bit, but from a customer point of view. Um, so this was in 1982. Mm. Um, and he opened Hamilton Hall, which is, is still there now, which is a small country house. It was 19 rooms. Mm. Um, I think it's now actually the longest continuous holding Michelin-style restaurant in the country. I've had one for something like 33 years. That's incredible. A long time. And uh, are your, is he still, are your parents still involved with the day-to-day operations? Yes, Dad, Dad is, is you know, at the hotel you know, almost, almost every day. Um, and in fact, then he, he has a hotel and restaurant in Nottingham as well. Mm. Um, and has recently um, embarked on, on a kind of real passion of his and opened a bakery uh, and has various bakery shops in and, in and around Rutland, which is the, the county where the hotel is. But um, but mum was was pretty terrified when he suddenly announced that he was going <laughs> to open open a hotel in the countryside uh, through kind of lack of uh, you know lack of, kind of practical experience. But um, so you know, I, I imagine the early days it might have been slightly faulty towers like. Um, but dad, you know, dad is you know as a real one for just sticking at something and learning learning about it and, and, and you know keep going until he gets it right. And how do you feel that uh, influenced the two of you? And I, I know we'll get to your other brother who has kind of followed a similar path to your father, but for the two of you, like, um, was it just always going to be hospitality? Was it just not the family business? Or where did, or how did that influence you and your kind of like pursuits of where you are now? So we were sort of different. I always grew up saying I was never going to have anything to do with hospitality <laughs> at all and came to it slightly by mistake. Um, but Eddie was slightly different and, and worked from quite an early age through, through all the departments. And, you know, and home life, um, you know, mum, mum was always a fantastic, and is, a fantastic cook. Um, so even at home, you know, the, you know, food was a major part of our lives. And um, mum had grown up in, in Mallorca, uh, in, in the Balearic Islands. And so, you know, when our friends were, were serving up, t- you know, tomato ketchup sandwiches and, and wagon wheels, uh, we were having kind of you know, roasted red peppers, aubergines, garlic, olive oil, which uh, back in the, you know, I suppose, mid-70s was quite exotic food for, you know, the English countryside. And, um, you know, and our parents entertained a lot. You know, so I, I always remember, you know, um, being sent off to bed, but we were allowed to stay up if we, you know, help, you know, serve drinks to my parents' <laughs> friends, mix a whiskey, you know, take their friends' coats and hang them up. Um, so, you know, right from a very young age, we, we, we were kind of involved in, I suppose, in food and hospitality and, you know, and, and going to see Dad at, at work. You know, we'd, I remember, you know, hovering in the kitchen doorway, 
you know, watching all these, you know, chefs in their whites, um, you know, at work, and, you know, and then our real treat would be a glass of fresh orange juice and a, a home-baked shortbread biscuit. So they really knew how to, it was like bed or free labor or like a, something, <laughs> a higher quality ingredient. You, you got it. Yeah. Okay. They, they knew exactly where they had you. So then what kind of brought, so you were, you were hooked from the beginning. So what eventually brought you back in, uh, to the fold? Uh, so I left university and, and was working in finance. I went to um, help open an office in Mexico City mm. um, as a money broker. Yeah. Um, hated money broking but loved Mexico City um, and ended up with a friend of mine um, opening a nightclub. Um, and What was the name? It was called El Colomillo, which okay. was um, in something like 2006. Um, and um, so there we did this quite high-end cocktails very little food um, of relatively poor quality and, and interesting music. Um, but so I suppose that what is... the music? Um, well, it was mostly underground house, so um, which we, yeah, we were Perfect. keen on. Um, yeah. Still are keen on. Yeah. Um, so we, we bought quite a lot of music over from the UK, which at the, the time was sort of, well, if not leading the world, certainly up there. We yeah. were producing really interesting stuff to Mexico, where it hadn't really been done very much before. Um, so, so that was hospitality, but just in a slightly sort of different end of the uh, of the business. I mean, it's an early. I mean, night nightclub is of a certain ilk, uh, but you still. I mean, both of those customers are super high demanding and usually intoxicated, which is probably not the same as your say your breakfast club or maybe your. It, it is very. Dark. The principles are the same. Yeah. You're still trying to give people a good time and yeah. make them leave happy. I mean, like you say, the, the, one of the worst things about being the nightclub business is your customers are past their prime before they've even got to you. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's, 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 it's a difficult business. But um, yeah, anyway, so I, I sort of came in through, through the back door, as it were. And um, I mean, how is, how is running a, a nightclub for such a thing was like 15 years? How did that kind of um, influence the service that you bring here? I mean, what were some of the better lessons that you learned that extended <laughs> to... Um, the current empire. Well, I was actually there. I was there for five years in okay. with the club. But um, I suppose that the things we learnt more about was running a small business. You know, obviously, you know, because the bars were the, the big part of the, you know, where the revenue came from. We were pretty good at running bars and making mm. drinks and cocktails and trying to get that that sort of bar service right. You know, I didn't know how to wait a table properly or. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, organise a three-course meal or anything. But it was a sort of, you know, fringe fringe learning. Um, so while he was on this track, what track did you take? So I, I, I left school and um, immediately went, went to work for my dad at mm. Hamilton. Um, and um, so I was 18. Uh, and in fact, d- dad reproduced my contract from when I first started. Kind of a, you know, kind was of it still for like cr- not going to bed early? Cr- criminal pay. <laughs> okay. And, and I, I, I remember it said hours, you know, as required. Oh. Um, so, um, but I, I loved it, and, and you know, I, um, I found it very difficult to focus on on kind of uh, the, the academics at school. Yeah. Um, and it was great. You know, it was, it was brilliant for me to kind of start a job that I loved, and and to be you know and to be congratulated for for, for the work that I was doing. So, I could have you know really kind of you know went to it like a, a duck to water um, and I started in the, in the bar and then I kind of really kind of did a bit of a tour of all the departments there so I, I worked on reception for a bit I was a, even a chambermaid for, for you know, a few <laughs> months so I went through the hotel and, and, and just loved all of it really um, and then that, I suppose that um, and then I went, went to also work for my dad in, um, in Nottingham and worked at his restaurant there and set up his, the, his private dining for him and um, so it was, it was you know great experience over about 
um, seven years. Um, and I, I, but actually, I took a year out and went to live in in Madrid, mm. um, where I kind of I learned to speak Spanish and you know you know fell in love with the the Spanish culture and, and you know all things Hispanic. Um, and then um, I was sitting at my desk one day working for my dad, and um, I'd talked to Sam over the years about the idea of doing something together, you know, potentially. And Sam had always slightly kind of um, ridiculed the, the, the idea, um, you know, kind of you know, understandably. Um, and I got, I got a call from Sam one day, and Sam said, "Listen, I'm you know I'm coming back from Mexico." Um, you know, or maybe you were in no, Barcelona. No, I was in Barcelona, so on the yeah. way back from Mexico, I stopped off in Barcelona to sort of re-Europeanise for a bit um, for, for six months and so, yeah. and then really fell in love with Spanish food. Obviously, because our mum's mum grew up in New York, and we knew quite a bit, yeah. a bit about Spanish cooking anyway. But sort of was really inspired by the amazing ingredients. And so, things. You both, um, so you both kind of had your own like introduction into Spain, and obviously from from your parents as well, just kind of leading back into obviously what what comes next. Uh, so how did you, so he called you, and, and how did the uh, idea come about for the so, first so, so Sam said, well, look, I'm, you know, I'm heading back from Barcelona, um, you know, might you consider, um, you know, should, should we do something together, should, should we think of a, of a you know, joint project? And um, originally, I, I think Sam, you know, still kind of, you know, recovering from, you know, kind of city life in, in Mexico. Yeah. Um, you know, and I was working for my dad, you know, in the provinces and, you know, in the countryside. Um, thought perhaps you know we would look at doing something you know a, 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 an English pub in the countryside, mm. and so that's that was you know really where we started and what we thought of doing, and actually kind of Sam's then girlfriend now wife, um, my sister-in-law said you're mad you know you boys are, you know you go stir crazy in the countryside, <laughs> you know you're young you know there's always time to, you know go and, you know you know grow a beard and you know, keep goats and smoke <laughs> a pipe you know further down the line but you know you need to be in London. And, and actually, I think there was part of it probably because you know she she definitely didn't want to live in the countryside. Uh, More of a selfish suggestion, <laughs> but practical, I, I think. And um, so then we started to think of you know perhaps what you know a concept or you know a, an idea that might work in London. Um, and obviously, we you know uh, were both you know um, you know were mad about sort of Spanish cooking. And the more we started to think about it, the more we thought that you know really good Spanish food. Um, you know, wasn't you know wasn't kind of you know it had started to be done in London. There, there was a, a restaurant that was around called Morrow, mm-hmm. um, which kind of you know specialises in Spanish, but in a slightly North African twist on on you know as well. And so and and also didn't we didn't we kind of look to the, the, the sherry bodegas? And there were there was a sherry bodega out there who was interested in opening a opening a really quality Spanish restaurant. Yeah, I've forgotten that. Yeah, I can't remember who it was. So anyway, so so, so we, we we moved down to London. Um, we rented a tiny, tiny office with uh, you know with a couple of phones in it, and we, we spent the next two years chasing agents in London, trying to kind of persuade landlords, you know, to go and have a look at sites and persuade landlords that they might take us on as tenants, mm. um, which we never realised kind of quite how difficult that was. You know, if you haven't got a proven track record, right? Um, you know, the, these big, rich, you know, uh, landlords in 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 the, in the in the West End. You know, are pretty nervous about taking taking on. So that took a long time. And what was it about the West End that that drew you? Um, you know, kind of the character, the the area, the time. I suppose we always thought that tapas is a, is a high footfall thing. Yeah. So it's about energy. It's about lots of people. It's about you know a, a long service of people popping in and out throughout an extend, extended period. So uh, you know, it seemed to us then, and I suppose still does now, that you know, really for for a tapas restaurant. Of the sort of restaurant we wanted to do, it would have to be, um, you know, very extremely central, or at least with a very high footfall. And the most obvious places for that is, is in the West End. Mm. 
Um, so first restaurant, you finally convince someone to give you to give you a break. First restaurant, uh, and then kind of how does that lead into Barfina and kind of where we are right now? When when Sam was in in Barcelona, um, he came across a restaurant called Calpet, mm. um, which is still there, is still there today. And Sam completely kind of you know fell in love with this restaurant um, and, and recommended that I go out there and, and go and have a look at this you know at the at the concept and the, and the style of the restaurant and it's you know um, you know we were greatly inspired you know it, it was our inspiration for what eventually became you know Barafina here in London but um, and it, we we thought long and hard about whether London was ready so this is two thousand and three mm. um, for a kind of you know a, a no reservations. Um, you know, bar counter, you know, dining offer, you know, and we just, we, every time we drew it up, we were kind of tempted to put, you know, the bar counter with the stools, no reservations, but a couple of tables. Right. And so, you know, we didn't feel brave enough, and I, and I think that was probably rightly or wrongly because we felt that London wasn't ready for that, you know, you know, you know concept or style of restaurant. And also then, I suppose, um, you know, um, because of the, the site that we ended up with, which you know, if we had if we'd had choice, would have never gone for mm. a, an enormous basement um, off Charlotte Street. Right. Um, but you know, but the, 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 by the very nature, it was a basement. We couldn't obviously have no no reservations mm. because you can't you know drag everyone downstairs to be told <laughs> that you're full or you know. So um, so that it became more. It was it was Spanish. It was tapas, but it was it was in a restaurant format. Yeah. Um, and and then you know and then you know. But, but, you know, fortunately, you know, Fino worked, and and that you know, people seem to you know enjoy enjoy the style of food. Um, and I suppose it was two thousand and six, was it that we then, yeah, a, then yeah. found a, a site that was suitable for a pure kind of you know counter bar. So was Fino was kind of like the bridge between kind of like your uh, kind of original concept to like where you ended up taking bar. <laughs> exactly, Fino. it was a slightly yeah. watered down version yeah. of which I think was right. So it was two thousand and three. Yeah, the tapas restaurants there weren't really very many, mm. um, if any, sort of um, sort of high class ones, and and so um, you know a lot had changed between two thousand and three and two thousand whatever it was six seven when we opened Barafina, and, and yeah. the, you know the people had got much more used to small plates and sharing. And we thought they were then ready for for the full, um, you know, um, unwatered down experience of, of no tables, stools only, no reservations. Um, we're going to take a quick musical break. We're going to talk about uh, Barfina and the kind of the beautiful building that we're sitting in, and some upcoming secret, semi-secret projects. Uh, and we'll be right back. Someone who is good at everything And the work that you put into it Is worth something they said But that's just it It's sort of hard to say What's one thing or the other Either way you get exhausted and deflated Everyone says it's okay But what do they know Milestones are overrated Our souls are paper thin We're running out of clever thoughts It's getting old We are in empty beds Floating down a river All alone I hate to break it to you kid But you are never going home And still you try And try to find another way Till you die when they look you in the eye You wanna climb up on a ledge Tape your last wishes to the fridge Well, I don't wanna think about it I don't wanna think about it I don't wanna think about it I don't wanna think about it
same But somehow I don't feel ashamed I feel an overwhelming nothing I feel nauseous and disgusting Feel lightheaded and estranged from life Feel lonely and insane I feel like watching television for eternity Until I shrivel up If God is smiling on you well, He must be smiling on me too Can you admit that makes no sense Not even for a second I ask you how you are, you're stressed I ask about your day mess I ask you what you plan You said you're settling the second best And still you try and try to find another way Till you die when they look you in the eye I know it's hard to hear But you're the loser of the year And I don't want to talk about it 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 Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market, America's healthiest grocery store with more than 400 locations throughout the United States. Download the Whole Foods Market app on your smartphone for recipes, sales, information, and digital coupons. Or visit WholeFoodsMarket.com to find a store closest to you. Welcome back. So Barfina opened. There's now three locations. Um, one of the things that is kind of interesting is that it's not the sa- very easy to make the same menu at each restaurant, but um, sourcing obviously plays a big part of your restaurant. So how do you pick what goes where and you know, what is the relationship that you have um, to your suppliers? Well, that's uh, Nieves is in charge of the menus. Mm-hmm. When, we, when we first opened Barafina, actually, we were much more involved, you know, with Nieves than we are now about the structure of the menu, with the dishes, you know, what was going to be, what's going on. And then Nieves grew in, in confidence. And and, um, and when did she join the team? Well, well she started um, three months before we opened Fino. Oh, okay. So in late two thousand and two. So she's been with you um, through. F- she's been through. What's that now? So, 15 years, 14 yeah. years, anyway, a long time. Um, so she now um, writes the menus. Mm-hmm. And when we opened Adelaide Street, which is the second Barafina, we thought um, slightly naively that it was going to be the same menu with one or two changes, a couple mm-hmm. of different dishes. And, and Nieves had been very secretive about what was going on <laughs> with the menu. And about two days before we opened, we said, oh, fine, let's actually have a look at this menu. We looked at it, and it was sort of 85% different from the original. It was like, oh, wow. <laughs> um, and which was, wasn't what we were expecting, but actually is, in retrospect, really nice because it means you can go to one barafina for one thing and the next day the barafina is completely... I mean, the food is stylistically exactly the same. Right. And it's not like it doesn't share... Of course, they share you know, dishes and they share specials. And, right. And, you know, the seasons, obviously, are, are the same in all the restaurants. Um, but it, it is a really nice thing having a different menu... Um, in, in the different restaurants, so, so because what we didn't want to do is is open another thing that just just be the same as the last one. What, what Nevis didn't yeah. want to do was obviously she, she surprised us with that. Right. Um, and, and, and with Adelaide Street, with with, with the, the addition of a kind of charcoal grill, 
um, you know, one of these uh, our particular makers, someone called called a Josper. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of gave another string to the kind of to the kind of culinary bow, I suppose, of, mm. of um, Adelaide Street. You know, so you know, in, and in fact, we, we we have one also in Drury Lane. But it, you know, it um, so you know, there's a whole range of fishes, vegetables, meats that are, you know, that, that are cooked in that charcoal oven. That you know, that you know, kind of have a you know a, style, a stylistic kind of difference. And um, I mean, and one of the things that I mean, the, the menu is great. The daily specials is also really incredible. I, I know I mentioned suppliers, but talk about relationships with that. Talk about kind of like you know, you introduce a small plate tapas in an early time, like fresh fresh suppliers. Um, kind of in the relationships, do you have relationships with people in Spain? Local suppliers, how does that work? I mean, so we've worked really hard building up our supplier list over the years. So, I mean, the first one we did was there's a special flour that comes from the south of Spain for frying fishing, mm. which didn't exist in the UK when we started. What's the name of the flour? Uh, it's called Arina Especial para Freir. Mm. And um, it's, it, it's, it's a quite a coarse flour. I'm not quite sure how it works. But anyway, the, the Andalusians <laughs> are the only people that really make it. And so, but no one had it here, so we, we imported that direct. And you know, I remember the sort of ton of flour arrived before we opened, you know, it was splashed absolutely everywhere throughout the building. Every cupboard, every shelf, um, every. You know, and then eventually, I think, um, you know, one of our other Spanish suppliers imported it for us, and the supply mm. chain got going. But we've worked with loads of people to try and establish direct lines into Spain to get products that weren't available when we got here. So I don't think there was things like milk fed lamb. When we got here um, with Adelaide Street, we managed to get hold of milk-fed lamb's kidneys to take it a, straight, a step further. The, or, the public was demanding, um, yeah, which is an amazing <laughs> product, actually. We, you know, or, or we've now worked out someone who will sell us suckling pigs' ears and only the ears. I mean, which is quite a weird sort of surprise. I think we're the only people that, that buy that. Um, you know, or we've got this amazing guy now, actually in Portugal, who's buying fish for us out in the market there, and we've been, in a way, helped by. Um, you know, the recession in, in Europe since 2007, whereas a lot of this produce was consumed in its entirety in, in Spain or Portugal, mm-hmm. wherever it was, and, and they had no incentive to export it. But with the economic downturn there, suddenly a lot of this really high-end produce was going spare mm. um, in Spain. And so they were starting to become much more interested in trying to get supply lines into places like the UK, um, so we, we've done really well with that. But, I mean, at the same time, we also use a lot of local UK suppliers. Um, and have you found for your su- suppliers in Spain and, and Portugal that they have now, through through you, found other places in the, the UK and you were kind of the entry point? Or is it you're mainly just, like, the, the one place that will take no, the No, no, no. I mean, um, so there's a guy um, who we used to call the man in the van because he drove over from Spain in a small, in a very small van. And actually, there was someone else he supplied before us. But anyway, there was two or three restaurants. But he now, and he used to come once a month. And now he comes once a week in a huge, sucking great Arctic. And that's, <laughs> that, that's not us, you know. There's lots yeah. of other people. Um, you know, I think it was very difficult to get even pimientos de padrón when we started. Now you can buy them in Tesco's most weeks. So it's, it's, um, but, things have changed a lot. But also, Nevis is, you know, I, th- I think is... is uh, you know, whenever I talk to to suppliers, uh, you know, um, they're terrified of, of Nevis. But you know, hopefully, in, in in a good way, if you can be te- if, if you can be terrified in a good way, you know, because she's such a, a stickler for you know attention to detail, quality, um, you know, and you know, a lot of the a, a lot of these suppliers, you know, have obviously kind of you know many clients in London. They're they're, they're trying to kind of you know deliver you know the same quality to, to everyone but it's slightly kind of he who shouts loudest yeah. and I think they're, they're all pretty keen not to upset Nieves um, so you know her box of courgette flowers will be the very best of the you know best of the bunch and the best pick 
But that also, I think, pushes people to, you know, like, push the standards, you know, if the crop that year wasn't that good, you know, talk about the soil, talk about rotation, talk about all those things. So, like, a chef of that, that, like, holds people to that level actually kind of raises the bar for all the people that feed into it. And also the other boxes that are maybe not the best boxes are maybe better than they would have been without, without them being there. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and the supply chains have improved as well. So, for example, like fish. Um, you know, we used to work with these, or we still do work with these guys on the south coast in Brixham. And, you know, before the fish used to go from Brixham, then it'd go to, uh, you know, a, a market, in the, you know, a Billingsgate or wherever. You spend another day hanging around there um, and then go to the restaurant suppliers, you know, the day after that. So, the, and, the, 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 you know, the, the, a lot of the fish suppliers have worked out that actually they can sell direct into the restaurants. Mm. Um, cut out the middleman um, so the price is better, but also um, cut a day out of the whole um, procedure. You know, so you're getting a f- fish that's then a whole day fresher than it, it, used, it used to be. So these supply lines are improving; uh, are improving all the time. Um, that's great. So I want to make sure that we we get to Quo Vadis, um, where we're seated in right now, um, 1926. Um, that's right. Really yeah. incredible building, uh, like unbelievable location. Um, if you could just share a little bit of the history of the building itself and who's kind of inhabited it over the years until you until you took over. So Quovadis, as it stands, actually um, comprises four buildings, mm. so 26 to 29 Dean Street. But um, Pepino Leone, who um, was an Italian immigrant um, who came over from Lake, Lake Maggiore, I think, um, in, the, in the early 20s, um, he, he'd worked at um, the, the Savoy, I think, at Carriages um, you know, as a waiter and eventually took up a, a small bank loan or probably then quite a big bank back then. It was, it was £700, and bought the lease to number 27 Dean Street. Mm. The Freehold. The Freehold, did he? Yeah. Um, good man. Um, <laughs> impossible to do, do that now. Anyway, um, and so he, he opened a very small restaurant with, I think, seven tables, um, and, you know, which, you know, and struggled um, you know, for, I think, the, the first couple of years, but eventually kind of managed to kind of grow his business and ended up you know, buying the, the, the adjacent properties. Um, so, you know, but Quovada says, as you see it now, um, you know, is, is the four buildings kind of knocked together. Um, and then, so, uh, it's about to turn 90. Uh, so, and you have some plans for renovations or anything, but, um, what is the kind of, like, who makes this up? Like, who is the members here? And, you know, what is the kind of vibe of, of this place? So, we, we, we've got the rest, the ground floor is a restaurant, which is open yeah. to the public. Obviously, the members are on the first and second mm-hmm. floor, and then private dining above there. So, but the membership base, we always wanted to have a very eclectic membership, so um, that wasn't overly cliquey, that wasn't just the same sort of people, because we think that that makes for a slightly dull um, room if everyone's just the, from the exactly the same backgrounds. But I suppose the sort of things that bind them together is that they tend to work in and around, or at least have a connection with Soho. Mm. Um, because, you know, if they don't have any connection with Soho, it doesn't really make sense for them to come in here. Um, they, I suppose a lot of them are in creative industries, whether, um, you know, media, creative industries, but also there's a, there's a lot of people who, in food and drink, wine, obviously, um, and, and, and a mixture of ages. Um, so, we, 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 you know, we, we think that it's just as interesting to sit next to an 80-year-old man at the bar as it is to sit next to a 20-year-old mm-hmm. um, because they've both got different things to offer. Um, but I suppose the thing we really like is that, that they should be open-minded um, and interesting um, and eclectic. Um, and so as one of the things that's interesting about the renovations that you're moving Barafina into, uh, into the, the building... Which is 
a difficult concept sometimes to take something that is so established and beloved. And I mean, the room is just as much as part of the meaning. So like what kind of thinking goes into that or what do you feel you need to be cognizant and wary of moving something into a, a new place? Well, we, we, we were forced in, into a position for having to look for kind of, you know, new premises for Barafina um, on, Frith, on Frith Street. Um, and our landlord um, is, is refurbishing the entire building, mm. um, which would, you know, require us to kind of be out of the building and, and not operating there for two years. And um, so we started to look around and, you know, obviously this was you know, a real blow to us. Um, you know, it's, you know, Frith Street, you know, has a fantastic business uh, and was the, the, the original Barafina. Um, and and we, we started scratching our head. And Jeremy Lee, who is, you know, the head chef here at Quo Vardis and also our partner, um, and we, we sat down and discussed it, and we, we felt that um, with the, the, the addition of a, of a kind of um, a members' restaurant up on the first floor here at Quevardis, that we could downscale the restaurant on the ground floor open to the public, and you know, and welcome Barafina, welcome Barafina in. And the great thing is, is I suppose that the, the, you know, that we're, we're, they're sister restaurants, right. so we you know, they've always worked, we've always worked, we work closely together anyway, um, and we think that Barafina will actually bring a really amazing sort of shot of energy um, into Quo Vardis. You know, Quo Vardis has always evolved over the years. First it was one building, then it was two, then it was three, then it was four, mm. then it was Marco Pierre White, then it was us. Um, we started off as, you know, British cooking, but cooked by a Frenchman, and then we had Jeremy. So, you know, Quo Vardis has had a long and evolving history. And, um, you know, it's, it, of course it is a change for the building, but it will still look the same, it will still feel the same. And we think that Barafina actually adds an extra string to its bow, uh, um, brings this, you know, ushers in a, a great new decade for us. Um, and speaking on to the future of things that you can and cannot talk about, just uh, in one sentence each, give me uh, your thought on tacos. <laughs> yeah, so tacos is very exciting. I, as you know, I lived in Mexico City. Yeah. So I've been talking about doing tacos for about um, 15 years um, and completely um, failed to do anything about it. <laughs> But eventually, with our youngest brother, you briefly mentioned earlier, yeah. who has left uh, financial, he's left the financial industries, yeah, just um, like Dad, <laughs> exactly, um, and come to join us full time. We, we've got another another you know partner on board with the energy and, and also with um, my ex partner from Mexico, Crispin Somerville. Mm. Um, so we, we've got now the, the, the people and the team required to get the tacos up and running, and we're very excited about it. And what is the current state of tacos in uh, London? I mean, um, it, I mean, it exists, but is it, it, is it, it of a quality? It, it, it exists, but it's a long way behind where it will be in, in five years' time. And that's not only talking about what we're going to bring, hopefully, to the taco scene, but, you know, it's at a very, very nascent stage. Mm. Um, so, for example, there is no one who's... Um, there, there isn't a corn tortilla factory um, anywhere in the UK. In fact, there's only one in Europe, which is in Ireland. Mm. And, um, you know, absolutely key to a good taco, obviously, is a good tortilla. And the fact that there isn't even anyone who produces a tortilla, um, or there's one person in the whole of Europe, just shows how far Europe is behind the States and obviously Mexico. Um, So it's all, but it it is all coming. And whether we did it or not, it's about to happen because people are getting much, much more interested in in Mexican food and and tacos, obviously, is a big part of that. When, when Sam mentioned, you know, he's obviously been talking about this, you know, over the years, 
and I, you know, not having lived in Mexico, not, you know, I, I wasn't familiar with, you know, how fantastic, how delicious, how wonderful, you know, the, the, uh, a good taco can be. And, you know, we, di- we, we, we ate in lots of restaurants in London, and, you know, and there was no- nothing, you know, wrong with any of the restaurants or, or the food. But I found, I really struggled to kind of get excited about the whole project. Um, and then, in fact, we travelled, you know, abroad, we were in New York, and um, the, the, my brothers went to, to Mexico. And, you know, we went to numerous kind of, you know, taco restaurants out there. And again, I mean, it wasn't almost until the final day that we were out there that kind of, we, we went somewhere where I said, I get it now. Where did you go? Um, Tacos One in, um, was it Chelsea Market? Yeah, and New York was our best favourite thing. Oh, okay. In New York. And and you know, and then suddenly picking that taco up, eating it, I understood what you know why Sam was so excited about. Mm. You know, so I suppose that's my answer to. Um, um, and are you going to be making your own tortillas or finding a supplier? Yeah, so we're making our own, exactly. So I mean, we'll obviously not tomorrow, but... No, no, but we're, 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 we're quite well on uh, along the way. We've got our design for our little tortilla, in-restaurant tortilla factory. Um, we're negotiating with... Actually, it's quite a complicated business because the, a lot of the kit you need from Mexico is not EU compliant and it mm. runs on the wrong hertz and there's all sorts of problems. But we think we've got a guy who's going to make it and change the, 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 the electricity components of the things and retrofit certain safety items that we need from the UK. We found you know, amazing fair trade corn suppliers and so we, we, we're making good progress. So what you did for the milk-fed kidney you're going to do for the, the taco? Exactly, exactly. We hope so. Um, so one last question is, um, please tell me about the napkin dispensers in Barrafina. Because they're awesome and they're such a great design detail. Where did they come from? I, I'm trying to think. You know, I, 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 but they're incredibly Spanish, is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all those Spanish tapas yeah. bars. They have that but, I mean, pretty rubbish napkin. Yeah, it, it, in that it, sort it of must have been Sam actually, because you know, I, I think because I, you know, my I started off working with my dad in a Michelin style restaurant with you know wonderful linen kind of napkins. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sure I probably you know back then when we look at the, at the design and you know and what kind of napkins were we going to have at Barafina. Um, I'm sure Sam. It took Sam, you know, quite a lot of, you know, you know, persu- you know, I took quite a lot of persuasion. But actually, of course, you know, in Spain, I, I think we did like that. You know, when you go into a, a, a bar in Spain and the floor, you're, you're kind of knee deep in kind of, you know, you know, it used to, it used to be cigarette butts and, and napkins. And so we we, we, we quite like that spit and sawdust feel. Um, that's great. Well, thank you for making time. I uh, appreciate it. Where can people find you? Uh, where can they get information? Where can they? Obviously, there's no reservations, but where can they find the hours for everything? Yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously, the uh, Barafina website is barafina.co.uk. Quovadis is quovadissoho.co.uk, and um, the tacos watch this space. Okay. Oh. Fair enough. Uh, thanks for this. Uh, we're going to take a quick musical break, and we'll be back with the rest of Snacky Tunes.
Welcome back. Uh, we have Street Smells live in the studio, and there's a lot of you. Uh, hey, guys. Hey. Welcome. Sorry about that. Uh, do you want to go around the room and just kind of yell your names out? I'm Johnny Street on guitar. I'm BB Street on drums. Ryan Street on I'm, guitar. I'm Lala Street. I'm Jesse Street on bass. Uh, it's actually been a while since I've seen a band that's adopted the same last name uh, when did you I mean on, outside of me assuming that you're not all officially last name street uh, where did you come to the decision to to, to, to take the same last name uh, <laughs> sometime during yeah, the decision the came to us I guess. Yeah, I yeah, guess yeah. I street smells yeah it's like a family band yeah yeah we do consider each other family for sure and what makes it a family band uh, I guess we, when we practice we kind of try to keep like a more laid back chill out vibe where we just come we'll eat food together and then like uh, I don't know yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll sometimes hang cook out and jam and then yeah cook jam, oh really chill. what do you uh, who, who cooks uh, these guys oh, okay. yeah. 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 we live in a very communal space we, where it's yeah. their home but it's our practice room a lot of other bands practice rooms and a big kitchen what do you what do you normally cook uh, hashes. Soup. <laughs> yeah, soups. Grills. <laughs> 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 Anything you can just throw on and let like, yeah. chill. Yeah. Tacos yeah. in the summer. Tacos. Yeah. 
Yeah. When the wood when the wood burning stove comes out. Yeah. Really? Is there um, one like particular of the non cooking member of the band's request? Like, hey, wouldn't it be great if you made that <laughs> thing? Ryan, you want to get this one? I do. <laughs> I request lasagna a lot because they make really good lasagna. Oh really? What's yeah. the What's the secret? I don't know. No, it's uh, secret. Just cheese, I guess. <laughs> just cheese, it's actually just cheese. There's no noodles. We yeah. just feed you blocks of shredded cheese. <laughs> it's just, it's cheese. Yeah, we just melt cheese and oh, oh, perfect. I love it. Like just like grandma used to make it. Um, is there any particular food that you feel like, uh, like the one of the dishes you guys cooked that like really brought you together for the first time? I think it was. Roberta's Pizza. Yeah, actually. Oh, right. actually oh, we, we always, it's like, we're like two over. blocks away from here. Yeah, so. okay. yeah, we're like right down the street, so we would be like, what should we do? And then <laughs> it was probably like a non-cooker's night. <laughs> and we'd be like, pizza! And we'd run down here and get it, because it's yeah. so easy now. Have any um, songs or writing come out over the meals, or like through help the creative process? Yeah, we have a food album. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, we haven't recorded yet, but it has all food names and. Really? Like, what are some? Of the, I mean, it's we won't share with too many people, but yeah, like, what are some of the names? names? Gingerbread, gingerbread, banana famine. Oh, banana yeah. famine is great. Yeah, the album's called So Delicious. Okay. All right. Well, with that, why don't we uh, why don't we hear a song? Okay. Uh, what are you gonna play first? We're gonna play Rapture of the Deep off of another forthcoming album called The Black Gospel.
I feel like you guys sent over one of the best descriptors I've seen for a band, which is uh, Pajama Jams. So I just, out of curiosity, it's your fault or is it just something that I want to ask about? Like, what qualifies as a Pajama Jams? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Inquiring minds would very much like to know. Well, I think that's kind of like what we're saying before we all get together and jam. It's like... Sometimes in our pajamas. So, sometimes it's Sunday. Sometimes we're too lazy. Maybe it's pajamas in real life. Maybe it's pajamas just like in our feeling in our mind. Like, like is pajama legs? Very comfortable. The hours go by and that's it. So like pajama dance is potentially like a state of mind. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, kind yeah, of like a wardrobe go. and also a state of mind. Okay. <laughs> uh, any particular strong pajama outfits? Oh, we all have strong. Yeah. yeah what's like the pajama, the pajama game like? I mean, if you can have a matching suit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like the top bottom. Top bottom. I've yeah. Got panda, I've got panda jams. Our band room is a little hot for flannel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it gets really hot. Yeah, but that's like a commitment to the look, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, any like butt flaps? Oh, it's not that kind of yeah. thing. Wait, is that what they're actually called? Yeah. I just always refer to them as butt flaps. Yeah. Oh. We have sodas in the house. So they okay. Cake like, outfits. Yeah. Flapjack jammies. Jammies. Pajama jammies. Oh, okay. Huh. Union suits. Now I know why I can't ever find it on uh, Google. Now, now I'm really right. Google search is way yeah. different they're than like, what you were. They're thinking. like, why did you get everybody this gift this year? It's like, well, I finally knew how to find it. Yeah. Um, so you guys are currently recording uh, new. Uh, record. Yeah. Uh, what is the process? Um, is it like uh, laying down track of ones? Is it group jams, pajama jams in the studio? What's yeah, the vibe? Yeah, we do a group pajama jam first, <laughs> and then yeah. uh, we <laughs> over, like overdub um, additional, yeah. additional jams. And is it a collective songwriting process? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how did you? Oh, I mean, I have to ask. Like, how did you all start making music together? Uh, we started. I mean, I know you're a family, yeah, but we like hanging out. <laughs> I've known I've known John since like fifth grade. Oh, okay. And so we've always played music like our whole lives together since around seventh grade, and then we just started picking everybody up. Yeah, we all kind of met playing in different yeah, bands and always appreciated each other's music. And then, yeah. Yeah. are the other bands still active, or are they all? Yeah. Yes. Some are. Yeah. Yeah. Which one? You want to shout them out? What's still going? Um, yeah, we have J. Maris, uh, Prospector. Um, Lila comes from Day Roar. Roar. Bad girlfriend. Bad girlfriend. Yeah. 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 What's their new one? Triple Hex. Triple Hex. Oh, yes. Triple Hex. Lila's in Triple Hex. Yeah. I mean, we're always just kind of like jumping in and out of 
project. This is my and I, family. Yeah, this is her first baby. One is one is enough. And yeah, and you said bad girlfriend. <laughs> shout out to it was like two years ago. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Well, let's get another another pajama jam. All right. Uh, what's this one called? Which one is this? Chocolate milk. Chocolate oh, yeah, milk. This is called chocolate milk. Oh, okay. I mean, well done. Way to be like on point. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense.
Uh, where is the smelliest street, and what's its name? <laughs> um, it's on the corner of Eldridge and Broom. That's what the band's named after. Yeah. Is the is is down there when you go down? We used to hang out, or I guess just cruise the streets down there a while ago, and we were walking, and can't remember if it was like this street smells or <laughs> this street smells, street smells, street smells. So there's no. I'm surprised that it's this. not further down in like uh, Chinatown, where like. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think they process but, fish wait, or wait, something Eldridge, right there. Eldridge and where it's though? It's like right, Eldridge and Broom. It's like oh, Eldridge almost. And Broom. Oh, sorry, I was thinking. Oh yeah, okay. That's it's like by Vanessa's Dumplings, oh, yeah. Fontana's area. Like, and like was it the summer? Was it hot out? Oh my god! Yeah. It's just kind of all the time. Yeah. I think they process yeah. fish or there's, something. And there's just their their own recipe. Yeah, nasty <laughs> kind of street smells. Bleach flowers. Yeah. You would find information on our band, but you would also find an article on that about street. that street being smelly. So we're not alone on that. Oh, so like, but that article was uh, found years, years after the band was years made. Like, like, oh. it was like a couple years. <laughs> yeah. We're like these guys are onto something. Yeah, uh, like, people should is, really start talking about. When this. is <laughs> that what the cultural yeah. zeitgeist is? Like, is yeah. that like something is definitely in the ether? Yeah. Um. So I know that your uh, EP Creamy, again, another great food thing, uh, came out. Um, how was the process of that, and how, how's it been having the, the record out? It's good. Yeah. 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 It's right. cool. It's, it's translucent red uh, vinyl. Oh. Yeah, which is cool. an feeling. Yeah. <laughs> how many conversations did you have about the right vinyl? I think I don't know. I don't we know just, how we yeah, got the red one. One, one day we were and just we like, decided Ooh. that it needed to look awesome. Yeah. 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 Do you think that there are bands' constant decisions like like eh, whatever, just put it out? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> maybe some well, aforementioned maybe. projects that are no longer a part of the family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But <laughs> well, I mean, we want to for this next song, we want to put maybe some secret little treats and hidden mm-hmm. stories in the next vinyl that we put out. That recording now. So. Like, do you remember that rumor that like a thing was like in utero if you took a razor blade and you like cut it a certain way? There was like another record. Hidden in, on that CD. Yeah. Which I think was probably just like a way for record companies to get really dumb kids to yeah. like buy. Yeah. Like, a, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, all right. I like that though. We're gonna, we gotta put something like that. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, the like Less Than Jake record where it had like the negative minute track beforehand, which you go like backwards on your CD player. Like, I, it was digital technology that could hide all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, Tool did a lot Negative of that. Negative minute. What did, what did Tool do? Tool would always have like their like albums like jump like up to like not you'd be like oh, sitting yeah. there and at the end of the thing it'd be like it'd, like count up to like sixty nine with sixty six six like all yeah. this crazy stuff where you'd be like what's my thing doing like yeah. what's my record player doing or my CD player doing at home where you're sitting there in bed like oh, I'm just gonna go to bed now and then you're like what's happening oh yeah oh yeah they had that speech like something the king of the carrot people or something like yeah. that was at the very end yeah or like a bunch of weird just weird noises or something you just be like I'm never listening to this to go to bed again <laughs> you just have to go I mean. really deep on like what tricks you can do I mean it's vinyl though like a, yeah. do, you, do you have any ideas of what you can hide or is it just more like in a, oh you, oh, you know. so, there's yeah, big yeah. smiles yeah. that no one can see because <laughs> yeah. it's a radio yeah. when you nod and smile on the radio I, I have to try Translate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna make one side four, 14 inches, and the other side is just gonna be a seven inch. <laughs> one, yeah. One, yeah, two songs and a bunch of songs. Um, so I want to make sure that we have time to get one more okay. song in because you guys really fuzz it out. Um, but okay. where can people find you, follow you, buy your EP, stay tuned for lasagna recipes? Yeah, we, 
uh, we were lucky to get street smells everything. So. I can't believe that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, no smells, well, you, well, it was no before the thing. article was written, in all fairness. That's so true, maybe that after is. that article, people were like, that's a great well, name. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but we got, we got the, um, inst- com. Dot com, Instagram. Instagram. Facebook, Re- Facebook, email. yeah, I can't. Put, Soundclouds, <laughs> Bandcamps. We talk about this all the time. Like sometimes oh. you know, it's a great band name, but you kind of wonder, like, how in the history of music did like no one, yeah, come up with like how did like some like weird like California like gutter punks like not be like Street Smiles? Yeah, let's yeah, let's register and sell it to some. Yeah, weird. same with Bad Girlfriend as well too. That was. Oh, well, there was another one. Oh, and then you. Them. Oh, you fought them. Yeah. Oh, oh. oh. No. They changed their name. Oh. Oh, you did it with lawyers. You guys kept just showing up at their houses with bats. We would have shows and they were like, it's not, these girls look scary. Like, it's not worth it. Oh. Okay. It's not worth it. No. Yeah. It's not worth it. Don't fight. It's not worth it. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have the name for a reason. Um, <laughs> all right. We have our name for a reason. Um, well, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Really appreciate you coming in on this, like, ominous. Well, I guess Winder's finally here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but that means that summer is coming. That's where they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, and, um, so we're going to play a show oh, soon. Okay. On what is it, the ninth? Ninth. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, that's what the major leans, and then we play again. Pajama jams. Oh, can you wear pajamas? Is that highly encouraged? We are going to have a pajama pajama jam shortly. Do you do um like for encores like you change into pajamas, or you're wearing just like Union Jacks underneath? Yeah. I we can just stay long after. I've got a lot of pajamas. Yeah. Yeah. Room's very cozy. Yeah. It's right. Um. All right. So what's the name of the last song? Uh, work in progress. Yeah. Syrian dream. Syrian dream. Okay, great. All right, well, uh, thanks for listening.
second thought I hope you don't mind It's just good to sit and talk For listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.